You need winners? Let the sports advisor show you how to make money. General Manager Al DeMarco, a former sports reporter and contributor on Fox Sports, MSNBC, and Comcast Sports TV, brings over 25 years of handicapping experience to the table. Rick Torino, a 25-year handicapping expert, spent over a decade as a college and pro football editor at a national wire service. Together, they are the Sports Advisors, your number one source for winners. Week 7 of the college football season is here, and we've got seven of the best games on Saturday's card to break down. A battle of two undefeated teams. We've got two of them to come your way, and we have a number of games where quarterbacks are questionable, doubtful. We've got all the latest information for you, but let's start at the big house in Ann Arbor. Two of those undefeated teams, Michigan hosting Penn State. Hi, everyone. I'm Al DeMarco along with Rick Torino. And Rick, I am shocked that the Wolverines are such a heavy favorite, especially with Penn State coming off a bye and in revenge. I agree with you, Al. I like Penn State ten and five on this against the spread on the Big Ten road in their last fifteen. And what's improved for t- Penn State this year, Al, has been their running game with the freshman Nick Singleton averaging one hundred and ninety-two yards on the ground. Good passing game, got a couple of good wide receivers, and still the veteran Sean Clifford. You could say playing in the big house might be a problem, but Clifford, he he's experienced enough, Al, that he should be able to you know to move the ball against that Michigan defense and give Michigan that defense that first kind of test of the year. They were scared. You know, they got a scare thrown into them last week by Indiana, at least for the first half when it was 10-10. But then Michigan rolled to 21 straight points in the second half. I agree with you, Al. These games are usually close. The last three have been decided by four, 10, and seven points. I like Penn State grabbing the points on the road. You know, I think the casual fan gets so wrapped up on whether or not Penn State can knock off Michigan doesn't matter from a gambling perspective all i'm looking at is can they stay within that seven number and of course when that line crosses three four six or seven in this case i'm buying up the half point when the line crosses seven so i'm actually going to buy penn state up to seven and a half with this line sitting at seven i think two things as i alluded to at the outset that factor into my decision in backing penn state like you are first of all even though we are still relatively early into the college football season Playing for a seventh consecutive week, that I think goes against and hurts Michigan to a certain extent. The other thing is that Penn State, I think that it works against them in the gambling public's eye that they look so bad against Northwestern in their last game, 17 to 7, two Saturdays ago. But it was played in a virtual typhoon, miserable field conditions. Sean Clifford struggled in that game. It was his first bad game of the season. The pluses, as you said, Nick Singleton, uh, last four games, 433 yards, had that big, big game uh, at Auburn, 124 yards and two touchdowns. And it has given the Penn State offense a balanced attack, something that they didn't have. The other thing that I like here, and I'm going to throw this back into your lap, is that Penn State's defense is so much better than it was a year ago. And not only they have upgraded personnel, but they have a defensive coordinator with Manny Diaz, who never was much of a head coach, let's face it, but as a defensive coordinator, that's where he's earned his bones in the college ranks. And that defense right now, fifth in the nation in run defense, giving up about 80 yards a game. And that's going to be crucial going up against Blake Corum, who's averaging about 123 yards a game for the Wolverines. And also, 
I think Manny Diaz will be able to throw enough wrenches up against that Michigan offense piloted by J.J. McCarthy, who has played great. But let's keep in mind, this is only his sixth career start, and this is by far the biggest start that he's had in his young career. Yeah, you're right. Um, Manny, it couldn't have happened better for Penn State that Manny Diaz falls into their lap. Um, great addition to that coaching staff. And like you said, Al, he's gonna have to. They're gonna have to contain Blake Corum, but the really the guy could be J.J. McCarthy, a, a really a dual option quarterback, throwing for better than 78 percent of his uh, passing this year. So he's really gonna be a, a, a hand. A Penn State's really gonna have to try and shut him down. Um, I think they'll be up to the task. And like you said, and I'll, I'll make one point out, which you said about the half point. You mentioned it last week in the TCU Kansas game, that line bounced around all over seven, six and a half, seven and all over the, all over the casinos. Um, seven, you pushed, you went, listen to you. You went six and a half, you got the W. So that, that, that always plays a key. And, and I know you're a big proponent of, of buying that half point. But again, it's something that, you know, I always say I'm preaching to the choir. You're either agreeing with me or you're never going to go and listen to a thing I say. But over my 25 plus years as a handicapper and long before that, when you and I were both uh, journalists and uh, uh, let's just say betting a hell of a lot of money when we probably <laughs> didn't make that much money uh, every single day of the week with Danny, the like, local bookie. Uh, listen, it's something that has turned more losses in the pushes, more pushes in the wins. And it's the only thing that we as gamblers, I'm not talking about handicappers here, but as gamblers, it's the only thing that we can possibly do to give ourselves the slightest of edges against the odds makers. And it's just a viable thing that we should always consider. And I always use this analogy that if it's the middle of the baseball season on any July Wednesday night, and I tell you that, hey, go ahead and bet the Houston Astros and lay $1.35, you'd have no qualms about it. But in football season, if suddenly I'm telling you to go ahead and buy that half point and you got to lay $1.30 or $1.35, if it even comes into play, Guys suddenly balk. Instead of a dollar ten, I'm asking you to spend an extra 20, 25 cents. And it's like, I, you know, from a financial perspective, it makes absolutely no sense. But again, as I also say, you know, you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make the dumb SOB drink. So there you go. Um, hey, before we get to the next game, which is we're going to stay in the Big Ten between Minnesota and Illinois, uh, as if you happen to be watching the show for the first time, you know, Rick and I decide on the games that we're going to preview each and every week, but we never discuss the games in advance. So we put them in the oven and what comes out? Well, you're seeing it right here. Uh, I have no idea what Rick's going to talk about. He has no idea what I'm going to talk about. And that's what makes this show so entertaining. Uh, both Rick and I have worked as journalists in the past. Uh, I was the managing editor of a national sports wire service. Rick, for over 10 years, was a college and pro football editor as well at the same place. And uh, we've been gambling a lot longer than we've been doing this. Let me just say that. Um, and Rick, by the way, absolutely on fire last uh, Saturday uh, at the website, thesportsadvisors.com, hit his fifth consecutive 100-dime best bet release of the season, cashing in with his underdog play of the year, UCLA, winning outright. So props to him. And this week, going to have his first ever 150 dime release. He won't even give me a clue what the hell the game is. I'd love to know because, frankly, after <laughs> losing last week again, I'd, uh, hell, I'd, I'll take the damn play. I had Maryland last Saturday. <laughs> you know, what the hell did I know with Maryland? So, um, 
Again, you can get that play, by the way, for free. You see the little scroll if you happen to be watching the video with the one-day free all-access pass. You can get that play and all the plays of all the handicappers for free using the one-day free all-access pass over at thesportsadvisors.com. Uh, it's free to you. You can pick the day that you want to use it. We'll talk more about it as the show continues. But, Rick, uh, let's move on to the next game, Minnesota taking on Illinois. Uh, we noticed uh, Minnesota turned into frauds, pumpkins, uh, a couple of weeks ago at home against Purdue. But the Boilermakers had a decided advantage because the Golden Gophers were playing decidedly shorthanded in that game. Yeah, missing the running back, Ibrahim, was a big loss for them. And that offense just was out of sync against Purdue. Hey, now let's give Purdue credit. I mean, you know, they win at Minnesota next week, go out and win at Maryland. So uh, not to rub it in. But two nice wins by Purdue. So they're a little better. They're fighting for the top in that uh, Western division of the Big Ten. Um, You know, Al, I I was looking at Illinois. But, I mean, man, I just don't see that offense coming through. They struggled last week. Three field goals against Iowa. I think Minnesota is going to turn it around with the with the return of Ibrahim and that passing offense. Um, I, even though they're going into Illinois, it's homecoming at Illinois. Um, I like Minnesota this week uh, with Tanner Morgan. I think they're going to get back on track. And I believe, Al, they're, they're, they're favorite. I, that's usually not the way I like to go laying points on the road. But they are favorite. I just think they're going to rebound from that loss. Plus, this is a series that they've kind of owned over the years. Eight and three straight up. Seven and four against the spread. Six and two straight up in Champaign. Or, and against the spread in Champaign since 2003. So uh, I'm going to lean to the Gophers this week. You know, last week's show, I talked about how much I loved Tennessee at LSU. Just absolutely loved them. And then I I don't know what happened. I I think I lost uh, total touch in reality uh, on Saturday, and I released Maryland against Purdue as my best bet. I I don't know what happened. Uh, Clearly, I think Brian Kelly must have gotten into my mind and convinced me LSU was going to actually be competitive against uh, Tennessee. And, of course, I just mentioned how I lost with the Terrapins, and you just had the rub definitely (laughs) sought in the wound. Uh, But going back to this uh, Minnesota team, listen, you you talk about the top running back. During the 4-0 start, Ibrahim averaged 142 yards a game, almost six and a half yards a carry, scored eight touchdowns. Without him in the loss to Purdue two Saturdays ago, uh, Minnesota – a season-low 47 total yards on the ground, 1.8 yards per carry. And Tanner Morgan, suddenly the offense fell completely on the shoulder. He threw a season-high 33 passes, only completed 18 of them, and was intercepted three times. That is not how Minnesota plays effectively offensively. They've got to have a ball control offense. They generally, you'll see at the end of a winning game involving Minnesota during P.J. Flex uh, tenure, you'll see suddenly the time of possession is totally one-sided, 33 to 35 minutes. And that's going to be the key here for them. And I agree with you. The other thing with Illinois, um, you know, Tommy DeVito, who transferred from uh, Syracuse, gave them an effective quarterback for the first time in years. And he was playing so well completing nearly 70% of his passes for over 1,160 yards and nine touchdowns, only two interceptions. He suffered, I believe it was an ankle injury. It looked to be when he left that game uh, last week. 
Don't know if he's going to be playing. Now, they've got a really good running back, Chase Brown, leads the nation in rushing. Probably nobody out there watching this program has any idea who Chase Brown is. Every single game, six games a season, he has topped 100 yards in every single one of them, averaging almost six yards a carry. So, you know, Illinois is going to be a pedestrian offense if DeVito isn't available to play. That's why I'm with you. I would definitely lean toward Minnesota in that contest. Uh, interesting game here. Uh, again, a battle of undefeated teams. Surprisingly, we have been right on the money with our picks every single week involving TCU. But this time, TCU coming off the hard-fought win at Kansas back home in Fort Worth hosting Oklahoma State. I happened to watch Oklahoma State's game against Texas Tech last week. They did not look impressive. Needed 18 unanswered points to put that game away. You see that they won on the scoreboard by a comfortable margin, but it was not a comfortable margin. I look at this and I go, my God, TCU is only a three and a half point favorite. I know Oklahoma State went into Baylor and won. It was a big uh, game for them, a revenge game after losing the Big 12 championship last year to the Bears. I know they got the job done in Lubbock, but uh, I, I just like TCU in the spot. Yeah, this is, you know, Al, this is a good matchup because it's two teams that are different in the Big 12. You know, all we hear SEC and Big 10 all the time. It's great that the Pac-10, that the Pac-12 is doing well, as is the as is the Big 12 doing well. Um, Oklahoma State and TCU, Al, we watched, T, we like TCU, watched them last week. They did not play their greatest game against Kansas, and Kansas held up to everything they threw at them. Duggan, I'll tell you the kid that really impressed me, the wide receiver, Quentin Johnston, four 14 catches, 206 uh, one, uh, for, and a touchdown. Um, but, and this is a game that's been dominated by the home team. Eight and two against the spread in the last, in the last 10. Um, oh, oh, Oklahoma State has won six of the last 10 straight up. I like Spencer Sanders. I agree with you. I did not get to watch much of that game, but I have seen them earlier in the year. Spencer Sanders, really good quarterback, mobile, can do a lot of things. I think I'm going to go against Yal. I'm going to take the Cowboys and grab the three and a half points, and I know it's going to be tough on the road. I just, I don't know. TCU, as much as we liked them, we liked them last week. They just didn't, there, there, were, there were some flaws in that offense that the, that the kid from Kansas, the backup, came in that could really throw the ball, uh, and he took, you know, he took that secondary part playing devil's advocate and also supporting my play on tcu i think last week's game at kansas was a bigger game for kansas and tcu because tcu was coming off the obliteration of oklahoma the week prior and for tcu not that it was a letdown game but it wasn't nearly as big of a game as beating up the sooners right. the week prior so you know, TCU got the job done. I mean, Kansas's offense just, you know, crushed the TCU defense. But listen, that's not the way TCU is going to win games. TCU is going to outscore you. They're going to put plenty of, you know, yards up on the uh, the board as well. And, you know, Max Dugan, uh, there's a guy who, who really ought to be in the Heisman consideration. You haven't even heard his name mentioned. The guy who didn't start off the season – as the starting quarterback, he only got back in there because Chandler Morris was hurt in the very first game. But 73% completions, 1,300 yards, 14 touchdowns, one interception, 204 yards rushing and averaging 4.3 yards a carry. This guy, I think, is going to have a big day against an Oklahoma State defense. It's banged up in the secondary. And, I, you know, 
I looked at the Texas Tech quarterback whose name escapes me right now, but he was their number three quarterback. He played well last week. Uh, Texas Tech outgained Oklahoma State 527 to 434. Uh, the Red Raiders ran 104 plays. Oklahoma State's defense was on the field a hell of a lot. And this is also a huge revenge game for TCU. Most lopsided loss they ever suffered in this series. Last year in Stillwater, 63-17. to 17. I, I just think this is a great spot. Again, three and a half. I'm buying down to the half point, so I don't lose on a field goal. So we'll go opposite ways here, and uh, I'll take CCU on this one, and I'll give you Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State. There, it's yours. I'll take them. I'll take them. Thank you. <laughs> Before we get to our next game, when we return to the Big 12 for the Oklahoma-Kansas showdown, which might not be such a showdown, especially with both starting quarterbacks, their status up in the air. Rick, what about all the interim coaches last week? I mean, some weeks we talk about who's on the hot seat, who just got fired. Last week, it seemed like the interim coaches, it was a bonanza for them. Well, Al, we get to this part where both college football fans, so I always like to throw a little tidbits in there from this past weekend. And the four interim coaches, Al, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Georgia Tech, and Arizona State, they all won last week. Arizona State grabbing 14 and a half at home and four plus 455 on the money line, Al, ups, upsets Washington with an outright win at home in overtime. Georgia Tech defeats Duke at home, their second ACC win in a row for the first time since 2018. Uh, Wisconsin finally unleashed their offense against Northwestern as Graham Mertz scored through five touchdown passes. Jim Leonard, the interim there, the defensive coordinator. And then we got Nebraska. Uh, they won. They uh, eked one out against Rutgers on the road, 14-13. Some other ones, Al, we got Navy posting a victory, 53-21 to at home against Tulsa. The midshipmen were a four-and-a-half-point underdog at home, Al. Al, they scored their 53 points. That was as many points as they scored in their four previous games of this season. We also have Memphis. Al blew a 27-7 early fourth quarter lead to Houston, gave up 26 points and failed to cover the one-and-a-half-point line. And here's one for you, Al. Do you know who the number one team against the spread is in college football this year? They're 5-0. and Well, Considering how bad I've been the past couple of weeks, it's clearly not a team that I've been using as best bets. So go ahead. Give it to me. Al, it's a team we have not used, and I know you don't like talking about this conference, Al. Out of the Sun Belt, their first year in in the FBS, James Madison oh. Dukes. 5-0, and Al, ATS. They made their first appearance in the top 25, and they will be on the road at Georgia Southern laying 10.5 this week. So uh, the old Dukes are really, uh, you know, moving moving up and, and doing well in the FBS so far. You know, I in retrospect, I watched the Wisconsin game this past weekend, and uh, Graham Mertz, absolutely, a guy who entered the game, I think, with 58% completions, looked like a totally different quarterback. But with Paul Chris gone... And promoting Jim Leonard, who, you know, declined some offers to go to the NFL, decided to stay as the defensive coordinator, and really was the guy they always figured was going to be the next Wisconsin coach anyway. We've seen that as writers. I've seen that, 
being as a guy who spent 10 years as a sports writer, managing editor of a wire service, it's amazing what happens when you have a new manager, a new coach, no matter the sport. It's like a breath of fresh air comes into the clubhouse when somebody gets fired. I hate to say it, but that's what happens. And I don't care if you're a professional athlete or you're a bunch of college kids. The old regime goes out and it's like the broom has swept up everything and the pressure is off. And, uh, you know, in baseball, I always call it like the new manager series. And same thing in basketball. I love playing teams in baseball and basketball that first couple of games out because it's just been a wonderful play over 20 some years betting on those teams. I see the same thing in college football, especially because these kids, and you got to remember, these are kids that are 18 to 23 years old. They're under tremendous pressure sometimes. And sometimes you get a coach who's a, um, you know, an authoritarian, a guy who rules with an iron fist and you get somebody else that comes in here and it's like suddenly there's everybody's pushing daisies, you know, and it's and I think that's what happened in Wisconsin. I definitely think that's what happened in Georgia Tech, because I never was impressed with uh, Jeff Collins. I I don't know how he got the job in the first place because he sucked the temple and he sucked at Georgia Tech. These are the same exact athletes. And suddenly they go out. Look at Arizona State. Herm Edwards was never cut out to be a college football coach. And you see the guy there whose name escapes me. And he had them playing competitively at USC, a game they lost. And then you see they come back home and they upset a good Washington team. So, it you know, seeing them win doesn't surprise me at all. And, you know, Al, you, uh, when talking about Wisconsin, they have to they had to Al, get out of that uh uh, you know, uh, th- three yards and three downs and a yard of dust or whatever the saying is. You know where I'm going with this. Sometimes yeah. 35, 40 years ago, the Big Ten, run, run, run. Those days are over, as you can see, with the way Ohio State plays, the way Michigan plays, even Penn State. I mean, those they, they have to, you know, if Leonard gets the job, he's got to bring in an imaginative offensive coordinator to turn that offense around. I mean, it's not run, run, run anymore, you know, because, as evidenced by all the other schools. Because your four and five star offensive recruits, they don't want to play that style. Kids want to put points right. on the board. You're not going to get those kids to come, especially to play at Camp Randall in Wisconsin in the middle of winter that ain't gonna happen you know offense is what pulls kids in so anyway listen guys we're more than handicappers we've been college football fans and football fans forever and we've been betters even longer than that we don't want to go into that (laughs) but listen oklahoma this line shocks me today we are of course recording this on uh tuesday night so uh earlier today it was announced that jalen daniels was probably going to miss this game he was ruled doubtful because he has a collarbone shoulder injury so this line jumped from seven to oklahoma eight and a half Yes, this is the Oklahoma team that lost 41 to 34 at home to Kansas State, lost 55 to 24 at TCO, and then got shut out 49 to nothing in Dallas to Texas last week. The Sooners went from seven to eight and a half. Sooners quarterback Dylan Gabriel, who missed that debacle against Texas last week, he is still officially as of Tuesday afternoon in concussion protocol. But Brent Venable says that. By Thursday, if all is good, they'll have an update on Gabriel. So make sure you check your injury report for Oklahoma. Uh, He should be good to go for Saturday's game. I'm sorry. You know, 
again, Oklahoma's given up 34, uh, I'm sorry, 41, 55, and 49 points the past three games. Joe Namath of 1969 vintage could be quarterbacking the Sooners this week, and I wouldn't lay points with Oklahoma. Yeah, I agree with you, Alan. This is a rough start for Oklahoma head coach Brent Venables, the first coach to make his debut 0-3 in conference play ever at the University of Oklahoma. And this is a series that has been dominated by the Sooners over the years. As a matter of fact, they've won the last 17 straight, all by double digits. So if Kansas has any type of revenge, they've got a lot of motivation coming into this game. Um, I, you know... I like Bean. He showed us well last week, 262 yards, four touchdowns. Kansas rolled up 540 yards against that TCU defense, which is much better than Oklahoma's because now they may make wholesale changes on that defense to see who can actually play. I would have to grab the points. I'm a, I would prefer if Bevel was the quarterback and I'm getting eight and a half, but they, you know, so... Yeah, like you said, you're going to have to watch and see how that line's going to how the line's going to move, and and especially Gabriel's status uh, heading into Saturday. Well, you hit a key point here. If Gabriel, again, we're doing this Tuesday night, so guys, if you're watching this come Thursday, if Gabriel is given the AOK, I think Oklahoma then may go to nine and a half or ten. And, you know, Rick and I were talking after the Kansas TCU game about Jason Bean, the starter now for Kansas. You know, he was the starter before Jalen Daniels took over. The guy started nine games last year. And the Kansas um, offensive scheme is not going to change month because they're both uh, Daniels and Bean. Very mobile, very fast, able to scramble and or run the option or RPOs. So, you know, you're not going to see a wholesale change for the Kansas offense. And Kansas gave TCU all they can handle last week. I don't think you're going to see a total collapse from the Jayhawks because this is a team that is confident, is confident, has momentum. And again, getting a hell of a lot of points against an Oklahoma team that suddenly isn't going to put on their Superman capes and, you know, start playing defense. So I'm grabbing the points. Back to the conference we talked about more than any other this season, the SEC. And for good reason, another battle of unbeaten teams We've got Alabama going to Tennessee, a one-sided series for sure. But the key here is whether or not Bryce Young is going to play. Nick Saban said on Monday that he was hopeful that he would play. They also said about the quarterback that started in Saturday's game against uh, Texas A&M, a game in which the Crimson Tide held on to win 24-20. to Jalen Milrow, that he was playing with some anxiety. Yeah, I'll say it was something because... Uh, Ooh, three touchdowns, three turnovers, two of them fumbles that directly led to Texas A&M touchdowns in the uh, first uh, half. And he was also sacked four times in that game. You know, what can I say? Bottom line is, Rick, you look at this line and Alabama, seven and a half point favorite as we record again here on Tuesday night. But that's because Young's status is in doubt. I think if the week goes on and we see that Young is cleared for action, this line zooms up to 10 with no problem, maybe even more. 
Yeah, it very well could, Al. Uh, you know, all those Bama backers out there will, will push that lineup once they see Bryce Young playing. Al, but any points Tennessee's getting at home, I believe I'm going to grab Saturday. I like Tennessee in this game. You've been on them all year. You'll really like them against LSU. Sorry. Um, and also, I was even lukewarm with them against Saturday against LSU. But they've passed every test so far at Pitt, at LSU, Florida at home. Of course, this is the biggest test of the year for them. And they've just got so many weapons on offense you know uh, will will Alabama score on that defense yeah but will Tennessee score on uh, this vaunted Alabama defense I believe so three if Cedric Tillman comes back their top wide receiver that just gives them another weapon to go around, along with the kid Brew McCoy who had a big week a big game last week Jalen Hyatt they're strong at the running back their offense they they do not miss a beat Al on offense um, it'll be you know and then I'm mentioning all these guys, Al, and I didn't mention Heisman Hooker, you know, so it's it's really, and he runs the show. I mean, what a job he has done this year. Um, I think they'll score against Alabama. This could be a track meet because Tennessee's secondary is going to be flawed now with the loss of Jalen McCullough, who was arrested in the wee hours of a Sunday morning. Um, Someone entered his girlfriend's apartment, and the guy didn't know what apartment he was entering. And McCullough, when the guy left, McCullough punched him in the mouth or something. So, and the guy fell down steps, knocked him unconscious. So he is arrested on a felony. Um, Tennessee's still looking into it, but I, I highly, he won't be playing. Um, and in more, and in even more uh, importantly, he may be kicked off the team. This is someone out that's been starting in their secondary since a freshman, as a freshman. So this will put a hole in that uh, Tennessee secondary. But, um, you know, even though this series has been dominated by the Crimson Tide, I'm throwing all that out. Uh, like you said, fi- saving 15-0 and 0 straight up, 11-4 and 4 against the spread, 6-1 and 1 against the spread in Knoxville in the last seven. I'll take Tennessee in the points in this one. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, listen, I've been back in Tennessee all season long. I'm not about to jump ship now. This is definitely the biggest game, maybe in decades, in Rocky Top. Uh, by the way, not that this means anything in terms of uh, the analysis of this game, but just a cute little tidbit. Uh, the cheapest t- tickets on StubHub, just under $500 wow. For, for this game. And to get a ticket... At the 50-yard uh, line, we're talking four figures just oh, to yeah. start. That's yeah. how big this game is. Uh, it's going to be loud, too, absolutely loud. And I go back to the opening game at Texas for Alabama, where in Dow Royal Stadium, uh, it was loud in Austin, too. And the false starts for Alabama, mm. they had three of them in that game. They had uh, 15 penalties, penalties that day. Right, right. Yeah, and that's a trend with Alabama. You know, they have 49 penalties on the season. That is the eighth most in the nation, tops in the SEC. How will they respond, whether it's Bryce Young or even more so if Young isn't playing in this game? By the way, the, the guy in the secondary I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing because Tennessee's secondary is one of the worst in the entire nation. Their pass defense sucks. That's the only yeah. thing I can say yeah. about it. Thank yeah. God they score a lot of points. Right. You right. know, it's funny. They, they have a decent pass rush, which normally you would think that good pass rush helps the guys in the back. Not with Tennessee. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm going to take the points in this contest. This is a team that gained even more confidence because they went to Death Valley last week. Everybody thought that LSU would give them some trouble. They just stomped on the Tigers. So I'm with you. I'm going to grab the points. Just a reminder, guys, uh, Rick, who has won 
five straight Saturdays, all with his top-rated plays, 100-dime releases. Uh, this time, he's going to have his first 150-dime play ever in any sport. Uh, if you want that play, plus all the plays of all the handicappers at the site, you can get them for free using the one-day all-access pass. The only way you lose is if you don't take advantage of it. Normally, the one-day all-access pass is $99. But more importantly, not only is it free, if you were to buy all the plays of all the individual handicappers, it would cost you over $1,000. I'll give you an example. Rick's play is going to cost $119 on Saturday. Now, I always take the biggest play of the hottest handicapper, and I put it on sale for at least half price off because I've never understood the point that you have to spend big money to make big money. So even in that case, you're going to get it for free, plus all the other handicappers, at least 10 of them, on Saturday. Or if you don't want Saturday's plays, you can get Sunday's plays. The choice is yours, the one-day free all-access pass over at thesportsadvisors.com. Next game, Syracuse, 5-0, 2-0 in the Big East, uh, best or in the ACC. Best start since 1987. I like the fact that the Orange are off the bye, but what I really like here, Rick, is that NC State's quarterback, Devin Leary, might not be available in this one because he had to leave the game against Florida State last week, a game where NC State trailed 17-3 to at half with a shoulder injury. And if he doesn't play, I'm on the orange all the more I like them in this spot. Al couldn't agree with you more because the quarterback that came in for NC State last week, it was, you know, pedestrian at best. Um, they were very fortunate to win that game trail against Florida State, trailing 17-3, Al. And I could not believe, Al, watching that game, I don't know what Florida State coach Mike Norvell was thinking. They're on the 23-yard line with 38 seconds left, and they're throwing the ball, Al. I could not believe. There was no need to throw the ball. They were down by two. They could have kicked the field goal and won the game. So, And he did take the blame for that after the game. But just a horrendous play call. I mean, granted, not no coach or anything like that, but I've seen enough football over the last 50 years to be scratched that. That is certainly a head scratcher. Um, the difference with Syracuse this year, really like the balanced offense. Sean Tucker, great running back, leading the ACC, one of the top backs in the country. Um, you got the quarterback who's been doing well this year. I think Syracuse can keep up with NC State because if, if, if Leary's not playing, I mean, you know, I, I really, really like Syracuse. And the thing is, Al, NC State, everybody loved NC State in the preseason. They got off to that shaky start against East Carolina, which they were lucky to win in game one. Obviously, they struggled and did not look good at Clemson, and they very well should have lost last week's game against Florida State. Now, they that, that carrier dome should be frenzied up there in upstate New York on Saturday when NC State comes in. And Syracuse, being 5-0, and is 2-0 and in the ACC, so they're still in play in, the, you know, in their side of the, of the conference. Uh, listen, the guy that replaced Evan Leary, his name is Jack Chambers. He threw the ball once against Florida State last week. He ran the ball seven times for 39 yards. He's a senior transfer from Charleston Southern. Uh, the guy, if you look at his overall career numbers, 5,700 yards, 40 touchdowns. But last year at Charleston Southern, again, an FCS school, he was only a 55% passer, 17 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He's not uh, a guy that you're going to cast your lot with. He came in as a guy who is basically a backup. 
a guy who was your emergency quarterback, not a guy that you're going to go to war with. And this, even though NC State has a hell of a defense, you're not going to find NC State in a position, I think, to win this game unless Devin Leary is 100% healthy. There is no way he's going to be healthy, period, in this game. I just like Syracuse, as you do in this one. I will say, the, you know, the one thing that worries me a little bit about Syracuse, this is a team that keeps shooting itself in the foot. Uh, most penalized team in the nation tied with Cincinnati, 10 per game. What helps them, though, is their efficiency in the red zone. We talked about Oklahoma State earlier. They were tied with the Cowboys for the ninth most efficient team in the red zone. They have scored on 23 of their 24 trips within the 20, 15 touchdowns and eight field goals. And, you know, if we'd asked anybody here and held a Q&A session, uh, name me the number one defensive team in the ACC, I think most people would have said Clemson. Hands down, Clemson. Would you believe it's Syracuse with that 3 3 5 defense they're playing? They're giving up 271 yards a game and only 14 points per game. When I listen, I discovered that fact in researching the game and I didn't even know it. I was shocked. I, I would have put all my money on Clemson, maybe NC State. I knew it wasn't North Carolina, I can tell you that much. Okay, <laughs> listen, the last game we're going to talk about, and uh, make sure, guys, listen, you also see out at the bottom of the screen, subscribe to the channel. That way you can always be alerted to when our show will be available and also the NFL pregame show I do with Steve Budin, which is available each and every Wednesday. Uh, every single week we talk about USC, every single week. I think I back them. Uh, but, hey, they keep winning. That's good. Uh, USC had absolutely no problem. Uh, at home last week against uh, Washington uh, State, uh, Utah. We didn't like the Utes last week. We thought that UCLA would roll. You, of course, had the monster play on the Bruins. Uh, Utah now returns home. They're a three-and-a-half-point favorite versus the Trojans. I'm a little surprised by that line, but I, I understand the logic that goes into it because everybody's saying, well, geez, the Utes have to win this game. Well, have to, must doesn't mean necessarily will. Three different words there. Yeah, Al, this is a tough one. I, I, I did not know what way to go on this one. USC getting three and a half. You're thinking, wow, I'm grabbing a top 10 team and three and a half points. But, you know, at, at Oregon State, again, they did not look very good on the road against Oregon State. Caleb Williams was just mediocre. Uh, you can't count the Stanford game because Stanford has no home advantage in, in, in Palo Alto. But coming into Utah, that place is, is so tough to win in Utah. Um, that that's why that line set at three and a half because it can't certainly can't be the way Utah played last week because they thought they were going to come in and out physical UCLA and that did not happen UCLA and if I can say uh, that Pac-12 is for real this year UCLA uh, UCLA Utah and and Southern Cal right at the top you got Oregon there not getting off track but next week UCLA is at Oregon which will be a big test for the Bruins but going back to to Utah. Um, I I just I don't know I I'm thinking wow I can get Southern Cal in three and a half but but you know Utah's going to want to rebound because they know if they lose they're done because if you remember Al the Pac-12 did all did all one conference this year they did all one conference there's no split divisions so um, you know it's the top two teams so this will give them two losses in the Pac-12 uh, I, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna go to Utah but it's gonna be a slight lean to the Utes. God, this Pac-12 action gets Rick so 
so oh, excited. I, I thought I thought it was going <laughs> to knock the microphone and the computer right and its camera right off the damn desk. Relax, relax. Lincoln Riley is not going to come after you if you don't decide to back the Trojans here. Kyle Whittingham's okay with your pick. Al, you know us Italians. Our hands are all over the place. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, listen. Um, here's the thing I'm going to talk to you about, um, and let me convince you why you should back USC on the spot. Not that I'm in love with this game. This is one game I'm going to stay away from. Okay. Um, I look at the two games at Utah, I call step-up games this season, against Florida and against USC or against um, uh, UCLA. And the trends are the same for me. Uh, In the 29-26 loss at Florida, the Gators were 9 for 14 on third and fourth downs, and they had 451 total yards, 283 on the ground, averaged 7.3 yards per carry, which is why I like UCLA like you last week. And what did the Bruins do in that 42-32 win in the Rose Bowl? Bruins, 5 for 10 combined on third and fourth down. 502 total yards, 203 on the ground, 5.3 yards per carry. I look at the USC offense, and what I like in the last few weeks is that it's become even more diversified because Travis Dye has become such an integral part of that offense. 28 carries, 149 yards last week against Washington State. For the season, 571 yards, but the number that you have to be concerned about is 6.3 yards per carry. Utah is not gonna stop Travis Dye. And if USC is able to run the ball, and they're much more focused on running the ball now than they were, I think, three weeks ago in Corvallis against Oregon State, that opens up the passing attack even more. And when I think about how uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson was so effective at throwing the ball, 299 yards, four touchdowns. And I think back to even Anthony Richardson looked like a potential Heisman candidate. Remember? Everybody was talking about how good he was. He's only had one other good game, and that was against a lousy defense in Tennessee. Um, So I think that that's why USC is the play and they're a sleeping giant in this spot because I look at this Utah offense. I see Cam rising, doesn't have any receivers. We talked about it the last couple of weeks. They lost their tight end earlier this season. He was their leading receiver a year ago. Uh, I do like that Tavian uh, Thomas got out of the doghouse and actually ran for over 80-some yards and had, I think, 16 carries last week after two weeks of hardly getting off the bench. But USC has its flaws. Not a good defensive team. But... With the emergence of Travis Dye, uh, I like their run-pass balance, and I like that offense, and I think it's even more uh, deadly now having more of that split. Al, you usually mention this as, as you're talking, I'm thinking, and, and I know you mentioned about teasers. How, Al, how about teasing USC up to 9.5 and, and Tennessee up to 13? That's a pretty good teaser. Um, I could see the USC, but I, I, I've talked about this before with teasers. My way of liking teasers, I like to take a favorite between, you know, six and ten points, and I like to tease them down uh, where I'm just saying they have to win by a field goal or less. 
So that would not be a teaser that I would do. You can't sell me on that teaser. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, that that I'm not going. Matter of fact, of all the games we talked about, and I often will throw teasers out, there is not one single game here that I would be interested in teasing hmm. among the seven that we talked about today. Just not a card that I, I okay. find any value in. I, I find that teasing dogs often is just uh, – yeah, not a way to go because sometimes dogs are dogs with fleas. I don't think USC <laughs> is. And sometimes when you have a dog of such an inconsequential number, you're looking at three and a half, something like that. Sometimes that dog is bound to win or, you know, you might as well just play him straight up and, and grab the points that you are rather than to put him in a uh, – and I hate underdog teasers because sometimes that's just like playing with fire. But that's me. <laughs> but uh, Okay, so we split on that game and, guys, that's it. That is week number seven. Remember, the one-day all-access pass. Make sure you don't miss for free uh, Rick's sixth straight Saturday winner and his biggest play of the year, his first ever 159 play. I'm dying to find out what it is. And uh, it, listen, for Rick, for your sake, I hope I'm not on the same side because I don't want to jinx you. Um, <laughs> seriously, if you're wise, you won't even give me a clue what the damn no. game is. Um, and you can get all the plays of all the handicappers free using the one-day all-access pass over at thesportsadvisors.com. For Rick Torino, I am Al DeMarco, and we will catch you next week right here with thesportsadvisors.com. Good luck, everybody.